Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, welcome back. It's time to join the conversation, but what will that conversation be? We don't know yet. Trucking and safety, all about the drivers. Uh, That's kind of a a title that will get many scratching their heads, but welcome back to the show. Today is Thursday, April 3rd, 2014. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith and Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Kind of an open forum again. We put a title up there, Trucking and Safety, all about the drivers and some... uh, some of the bigger issues that are kind of going on in the industry uh, that we have seen for many years, actually. Uh, one of the biggie things is the ELDs, which I'm sure we will discuss, formerly known as the EOBR. I guess they decided to change the name. But a lot going on in the industry. And uh, Donna, the ELD, that's one of the biggest ones. <laughs> I caught her off guard. She's over there. Yeah, he did. He, he loves doing that. He sees me busy over here, and then fun is part of my day. I know it's kind of fun for him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was paying attention. Um, ELD is like all over the place. Um, I thought one of the the most interesting things is that came up maybe a day or two ago was the comparison um, about the hours of service because hours of service is really just what is enforced by the ELDs, and uh, how they compared the pilots with the truckers. And um, uh, I hope we get to touch on that uh, a little bit tonight, Alan. I don't know if that's in your notes or not, but uh, that was, I found that to be really interesting. Well, we will just see how the conversation goes. Again, it's just kind of we just kind of leave it up to the callers, whatever they like to talk about. If everyone's just listening. <clears throat> And I see you joining in on the lines. Appreciate you joining us this evening. And Don and I will just roll along, but we'll see how it goes. Trucking and safety, all about the drivers or whatever's on your mind within the industry. We'll be glad to talk about it. So hang with us, and we'll get rolling here in just a few seconds. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. 
There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com and I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group and with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up to date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or email Email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Just kind of open forum again tonight. I know I'm going to have to change that announcement, Donna. It says with Alan Smith. I'm going to have to get Alan and Donna Smith in there, huh? I've been waiting for you to say something. Oh, man, I don't even pay attention to stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what was it you were saying a minute ago about Pilot? Pilot. Did I say something about Pilot? Yeah, that you wanted to hope we talked about? I don't think it was Pilot. Um, Oh, I thought you said Pilot. Okay, it was 30 seconds ago. It was a long time ago. So. <laughs> I know, but I've been doing so many things in between while the commercials were on. Um, okay, help me out here, somebody. That you said that you were hoping we'd talk about? Okay, it'll come to me. You go ahead. Okay, it'll come to you. Well, let's see where we let's see where we roll along here. Have some callers and everyone already on the line. And let's see, I have a few in the chat room. There's MAS07, so a big hello to 
her out there in Oklahoma. Uh, she's on vacation, so she's back on the show, huh, Donna? Yeah, she loves the show. I'm glad she loves it too, because she, uh, you know, she just enjoys listening and, and learning, kind of like I do. <laughs> oh, well, let's roll and see where we go here. Let's uh, first up is the uh, state of Oregon, area code nine seven one. Welcome to the show. Hello, this is Michael Harrington, the trucker's politician. Hey, Michael, hey, how Mike, are you? How you doing? I'm doing good. So, uh, talking about the electronic onboard logs, and uh, <sighs> you know, I'm kind of campaigning on some of these silly laws and ordinances. I really think that this one is insane, actually, instead of silly. Um, it's going to affect the industry in various ways. The cheaters are still going to be able to cheat. They're just going to change their their apparatuses. And meanwhile, we're going to see a lot of shortages in late deliveries as well as electronic fumbles with computers and mechanics that don't log off the driver when they get a broke truck. We're going to see so many different headaches and problems. The lift is huge. Well, let me ask you something, uh, Michael. Do you feel it's um, it's the hours of service that really needs to be looked at? I mean, you know, th- there's so much controversy now, uh, and people are saying, listen, it's not the ELD. It's the hours of service rule that's the problem. And that's what it was I th- that I said I w- wanted to talk to you about. Okay. <laughs> I, I see two problems. I see two problems. I see shippers and receivers being a problem, and I see the hours of service being a problem. Um, we have shippers that believe that five hours is okay to do their loading. You know, why? I don't understand it. Then we have a, our neighbor to the north, Canada, with a far superior logbook system. Okay? Uh, mm-hmm. I can't see why we can't adopt that. Um, I, well, I mean, I don't know. I think it's all more more politics into play here. You know, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's like, you know, we're always hearing, you know, they, they, they're they trying to establish one HOS rule to fit all, and, uh, you know, it's just not going to work. You know, you brought up the cheating. You know, we always hear, well, the drivers cheat on the logs. Well, what about the motor carriers that cheat on the logs or force the drivers to cheat on the logs? So, I mean, this is a complicated problem that the FMCSA is trying to solve, but, uh, I mean, there's too much cheating going on. It'll continue, and I, just, I you know, hats off to them for trying, but I don't see, I don't see any way that they can uh, make everything work for everybody. You know, local drivers, night drivers, OTR, regional, is, is one, one HOS rule to fit all just isn't going to work. Well, oh, I'm curious. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say that 30-minute rule, since you're bringing it up, uh, you know, that's a disaster in and of itself. You can't find parking on I-84 or I-5 or a number of different highways and interstates within the eight-hour window. It's just a go-or-don't-go route. Well, the the 30-minute rule to me, I mean, you know, I've been out of OTR for a while now, so I'm local, but... The 30-minute rule, you know, I is is you know I agree is horrible. I mean, it to me it just adds more stress. You know, it doesn't add rest. It doesn't do anything for fatigue. It just adds it adds more worry and stress on me trying to get the load. I mean, I may and the, 
all the rules, it's just it's just a mess. I mean, if I have four and a half hours, if I have four hours remaining on my fourteen, and I get a four and a quarter hour run, uh, they all just put more stress on you, you know. In, in my opinion, and the thirty minute rule is one of the biggest stress makers I've ran into in my driving time so far. Well, that and the 34-hour reset rule is, you know, that one hurts me, too. I'm sorry, Adam. Uh, go ahead. That's okay. No, go ahead, because there's a little tiny bit of a delay, and and but go ahead. Well, okay, so the 34-hour reset, my uh, old company that I used to work for used to do two 34-hour resets a week. We weren't abusing. We wouldn't even get more than 50 hours a week. But uh, it was very well-paying work. But at the same time, we would just do the resets at different ends of the, the uh, runs, and that's how it worked. Yeah, well, they keep going back and forth. You know, now they're now they're thinking about going back to the the previous rules. So, you know, I think they're just beating a uh, beating a what what's to say a dead the horse. Dead horse. A well, dead horse yeah, the but it, they keep beating it and bringing it back to life, and then beating it dead again. So it's even worse. Um, you you mentioned something about the Canadian rules, Michael. Uh, what what do they do? I don't know. Alan, are you familiar with the Canadian logbook? No, I'm not all that familiar. Well, okay. So when you're in Canada, you're allowed to drive up to 13 hours a day. You got to you got to take a minimum of eight hours rest. Uh, so apparently they've got four hours available for on duty. So I mean, not four hours, but uh, three hours. But uh, irregardless, you're allowed to actually split up your your time over the whole of the 24 hours in any way that you want, so long as they are decently rested. And, and in my view, that's a far superior system because if you get a shipper that's going to be a long waiting shipper, then you still have the ability to drive. It's just that you have to change how the day looks. Mhm. Mhm. So it's flexible, in other words. Very flexible. You know, and it's up to. And the how do they enforce it. that? I, well, they they use the same standard uh, DOT type way scales where they inspect your logbooks. Uh, you know, when I'm driving up to Canada, I follow Canadian rules. I don't drive there anymore, but I was for a while. And you know, there, there's times when when. A, sh- a receiver would hold me up for weather, which always is a problem in can- Canadian winters. Um, and you just got to sit for a while, and then when you can roll, roll. Mm-hmm. Well, but I found what I find interesting, and um, this is what I was bringing up before about the the new pilot uh, uh, hours of service that just came out and how they're more flexible now and it's more geared on the um you know the fatigue trying to to create more rest because it was just a facade uh saying that they were going to rest when all their time was being spent running from you know the airplane to the hotel and this and that so it really wasn't rest time so anyway they they changed theirs um and they made it much more flexible, and one of the key things was according to the circumstances. Um, I remember reading that in the article. And uh, what it said was, what I found incredible, uh, when it said that um, 
that it would be too difficult for DOT to enforce it. it. There wasn't enough ease of enforcement to to be able to do something, and that's why I asked you. Well, how does Canada enforce these flexible rules? And it sounds to me like they don't have a problem at all. Well, you know, there there are problems with the DOT officers. You go around, and you could get four or five different rulings from different DOT officers on a laptop logbook. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that that's more because we have, in some ways, more complex rules about the size of the cracks on the windshields, what could be obscuring. Keep it simple. Keep it, you know, are you able to see the road type kind of rules. Don't make it complex. Make it easier for them to do their jobs, and then they will be able to handle a flexible logbook situation. Do they have ELDs? They, uh, there are some that have them, but uh, I do not believe that all of them have them. After all, I was able to use my paper logbooks up there in Canada when I was doing my shipments up to there. Okay, so they, they can, if they wanted to, they can cheat. Yeah, uh, but, uh, okay. you know, it, it's going to happen with computerized logs anyways. I can tell you, since you're refrigerated, there were drivers who were putting aluminum buckets over their Qualcomm devices so that they could finish a delivery and then go back, act like they did everything right the next day. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, another thing that comes up that I don't hear much about is how <clears> – <throat> You know, we always hear about how the drivers are cheating on the log and stuff. But, um, I mean, what about the motor carrier? I mean, they they can go right into that electronic log and change it. And uh, so, I mean, if they're if they're trying to prevent the fraud and all this stuff that they talk about, well, <laughs> that's going to be a lot of people to try. I mean, you got the drivers, you got the motor carriers, you got them all doing it. And and you know one thing about Canada drivers too, Don, is they don't, they don't have the number of drivers that we do here in the U.S. But uh, so I mean we're on a much larger operation. But to trying to trying to control the the pushing and the fraud and everything going on by both drivers and motor carriers, you know I think it's going to be next to impossible. Um, Mike, I just want to ask you something. I know you're running for office somewhere. Could you could you share that? Do you mind sharing that with us tonight? where and, and what your, you know, your goals are? Yeah, I'm running state representative in Portland, Oregon. My specific district is North Portland and part of the area surrounding the airport. Part of my goals are trucker issues and part of it's local, regional, and state issues. Uh, in regards to trucker issues, I'm trying to fight for the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit to go up, to eliminate the weight uh, mile uh, fuel tax, and uh, alter it to, to just the standard if attack. And then as well as um, a unique strategy of having the Oregon State Attorney General sue states that give tickets to uh, drivers that are wrongful, like Minnesota putting a driver down for 10 uh, for having an energy drink fuel on his cab. Mm-hmm. And the idea is okay. there is that we drivers can't defend those tickets. If we try, they'll, they'll push the date. They'll keep playing the game. We can't defend the tickets, so we always auto pay. But the attorney general, he could stay there for the whole duration, get it up into a situation where they can appeal a bad ruling and then eventually get that law nullified in court. 
Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Michael. I'll I'll keep it's kind of open forum. I'm going to keep your mic open. That's kind of how we do it on these open forums. Uh, let me open up some more lines here. We'll just all talk about whatever we want to talk about. Delaware, area code 302. I think this is Richard Wilson. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hey, guys. How you all doing, Nate? How you doing, Rich? I'm good. And, and again, Michael, uh, you know, your line's still open, so feel free to jump in. Let's go to open up uh, North Dakota, area code 701, probably Jeff. Uh, welcome to the show. Not Jeff, it's Deb. Nice try. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I knew it had to be either one of you, so, okay, we'll just leave your lines open. We'll just uh, feel free to jump in like we do on open forum. And, uh, but, Richard, anyway, go ahead. We'll give you a shot at this. Well, the thing about it is I don't care what kind of logging system you, you put in the truck, whether you go with the LDs uh, or anything else. And like I stated today when I posted you know, the problem is it's not the matter of the, uh, the ECM of the truck doesn't know the condition of the driver. There's not a probe, you know, that, that, that it says, oh, the driver's tired, so I'm going to shut the truck down. Um, you know, I, I've seen Qualcomm, PeopleNet, and Zeta Systems, all three of them, the companies I've dealt with, and it seems like it's awful convenient when a driver is 15, 20, 30 minutes from a particular stop, um, and, and basically I'm talking in the poultry industry, where, you know, they, they're told just, just go on into the plant, and then when they get back in, management goes in and makes an adjustment like uh, traffic or there's a comment on there. But they understand that also that if they're not audited within six months, those violations go away, okay? So it's almost they have to be in a condition where they have warnings in, in the HOS on the seven basics to even be worried about them. And it's becoming to the point where if a driver calls in and says, look, I'm tired, and we just went through this with Abe, as everybody knows, uh, where he right. just said, I just can't do it anymore, and five different people – told him he had to do it. Well, if they're going to make ELDs mandatory, then it should be automatic. There should be a sixth button on there that a driver pushes mm-hmm. it and says, I'm fatigued because there's already a regulation, 392.3, that says you can't force a driver to drive ill or fatigued. So we've already got a You know, I saw, I saw that when you posted that on Facebook. I thought you were fooling around. Didn't you, Alex? No one Richard probably know. No, but but that's what I'm saying is, I mean, come on. They keep adding these. I mean, even Congress has looked at the studies and have found the studies to be nothing more than fake information generated based on 42 drivers and a non-consistent group of individuals did not cover the whole thing. Plus, you know, 28% are over the road. Okay, out of seven hundred thousand, that leaves a whole lot of people that have to do logs that are not even over. That are just over ten thousand and one pounds. So now these people and Devil, she knows what I'm talking about. Somebody today told her, okay, they're six hundred dollars. But if you're like a plumber and you're you have to use a log one day because maybe you go outside of the exemption. Of, of the short haul, so you have to do a log for that day. You now have to put a $600 unit in your pickup truck. 
or, or your service truck. I mean, the one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. doesn't work. The problem is the current regulations, the way they are, all you're doing with, with e-logs, and, and believe me, I'm not advocating, disadvocating e-logs. All I'm saying is I don't care what system you use. The current regulations, based on AR, or it's based on a one-size-fits-all, it's not, it does not promote safety. Mm-hmm. Every regulation the Federal Motor Carrier puts into place has to say in it, for the health and well-being of the driver, they got in trouble in 2008 over that. Here they are putting all this technical data. There's 76 pages. In fact, I know, we, we, we pulled it up. I couldn't believe that. it. Yeah, yeah. 76 pages of technical data. The average truck driver, I'm sorry, and I know Deb was sick and she couldn't read through it. I had to read it because that's what I do, and I about fell asleep because (laughs) I've been in this business 30 years, and I don't understand all the technical terms they're using. So what they're doing, they are putting mass hysteria and confusion out there, and what they're getting is the baseline is, are we going to have to have them or are we not going to have them? Well, ELDs aren't going to solve the problem. ELDs are not going to do nothing but babysit people that don't know how to do and don't know what the hours of service or aren't smart enough to tell the company they work for, I'm tired. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead, Deb. Jump on in. Um, they're also going to disrupt the food chain. Have you ever seen a bunch of grain hoppers waiting in line? <laughs> Every day I live about three miles I mean, from, a, from a grain mill. I mean, I, I pulled into an ADM plant in Clinton, I, Iowa, and mind you, I could have cared less when I got there. I was sicker than a dog. There had to have been at minimum 50 trucks in front of me, you know, and I got there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and by the grace of God, I think I got out of there a little bit after 5. Now, my day was done. I wasn't going anywhere. I was sick. For one thing, I just wanted to part. But these guys do this on a daily basis. Now, I have no idea how this is going to work when it comes time for harvest. How are they oh, to, I'm glad know, you brought it, that up. Yeah, it is go so, ahead. You know, what are they going to do? Give us a special exemption like they get propane haulers? If this is all about taking care of the driver and making sure a driver is safe, how come one rule is in effect for us that we're driving out here, but anytime they need us, they could throw that rule out the window. I don't That's, understand. You made a great point on that. They're going to yes, take did. so many extensions, so many delays, so many fallback positions, so many minor tweaks and modifications for 10 years. They're going to try to make this monster work, and it will keep falling apart, and they'll be like, Oh, how do we make it work? And then they'll finally go and make a real rule. Yeah, that's, and that's something else. You bring up a good point, Deb. And I've said this a thousand times. You mean to tell me that, and, 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 and this falls in your category as well, Alan. You mean to tell me that a, a driver hauling heating, well, not in Florida, but a driver hauling heating oil and propane in the northern states and bad weather and snow and ice and storms doesn't get any more fatigued than they do during the summer? I mean, come on. You know, it's like you said, harvest. 
What are they going to do with harvest? And, and I understand that a lot of the, the agricultural exemptions come into effect when you you have your own trucks and your own, and your own uh, no. product, but there's a lot of people like you that haul product for other people that yeah, aren't covered under still, it. It doesn't matter. Why yeah. should the rules be different for one group than another? You know, if you're going to have a one-size-fits-all, you damn well better make it one-size-fits-all or else you back up the channel here and you look at each segment of this industry has their own. I understand that right. the culture industry needs to have their own thing going on. Cattle haulers, anybody that hauls livestock, my God, they need to have a whole separate set of rules. You know, anybody that's hauling produce, if you want produce to get there, unless you can tell me that you can find enough team drivers to haul this stuff, your grocery stores are going to be there. Your product, your your produce is going to go, almost come to a complete stop because yep. I guarantee you right now, eighty five percent of the produce in this country is hauled by owner operators. Yep, right. And I guarantee you one thing: you cannot leave Florida. When we haul potatoes up here in North Dakota, it right. is. It takes us five and a half hours to get up there. Five mm-hmm. and a half hours to get back, and that does not include the waiting time that you're waiting in line to unload those things. And they expect you to get a load in the morning, get it up there, get it dropped off, get back, get another load, get it up there, get back off, and get back and be waiting in that field to load the next morning. Absolutely. When I hauled produce, I sat at the dock in Pompano Beach, Florida, while they were picking well, this stuff there. in the fields. And, <laughs> yep. and there was a line of trucks. And, and you know this, Alan. There was trucks sitting at that market. There'd be 30 trucks in there. And every time a oh, wagon yeah. came in, they had to sort it, wash it, load it, and then put it on our trucks. And it was up to us back in the old days to ice it down and cool it because this stuff came right out of the fields. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Deb, no, it, it's a one-size-fits-all, and this is a Band-Aid uh, that they're trying to put over a juggler bleed, and it's not going to work. It's a, you know, it's a false sorry, I security. I will keep saying until the day I die, it is not the logging device. It is the hours of service. Right. Absolutely. I run compliant. I run compliant. I don't trudge. I do my logbook. Everything matches up. You can ask any DOT officer up here who's pulled me over in the past six months because I have been pulled over. Trust me on this one. And my logbook, I come out of there smelling like a rose because everything matches up. My company is under such strict scrutiny because of the idiots up here who think it's still okay to run renegades. They get up in the morning and they drive. They don't even do a log bus. So because of them, I get pulled in constantly. But you know what? I pass constantly, too. Right. I'm doing something right. Yeah, go ahead. Go Um, ahead, Michael. You just got to, you just got, once we get rolling, boy, you just got to jump in. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Uh, So, the implementation portion of this is also going to be such a nightmare. Think of this, you know, we have so many different cities, so many different regions. We're going to have new companies trying to hawk their version of Qualcomm, and everybody's going to be trying to get theirs, and it's going to be scheduling nightmares. We're going to see a shortage of freight being able to be hauled during the implementation period of this. We're going to see a mass dash at the end as well, and that's going to be a nightmare in freight hauling, we're, we're possibly going to see bare shells at stores because of this. Hey, Mike, can I say something? It's funny you said that. Today, Donald's going to laugh at this. 
I said once once this becomes a regulation, which by the way, everybody, I want you to know this is a proposal. Yep. Okay, but once this becomes a regulation, there's going to be a thousand people that are going to be making ELDs, and every one of them are going mm-hmm. to have a different system. And yep. and I've been to the Mixac meetings, and 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 the truck enforcement side of it is stating right now and claiming that they're having such a hard time because they do not have the funding to train all of their officers to read these. And as one officer said, and Donna's heard me say this a thousand times, uh, a particular officer from western Pennsylvania said, if you think I'm going to crawl across the, the, the lap of a dirty truck driver to look at his Qualcomm, you got another thought coming. So what's going to happen when all these uh, you know, manufacturers get in this industry, get in there and try to get their foot in the door, and there's going to be all these different systems. And the thing is, if something goes down, they'll tell you right now at Mix Act, the state police are not allowed to take data as an email or as off of a stick and put it in their computers because there's a chance it could have a virus. So how are they going to read it if the system's down? And next thing you do, now what do you got to do? Go back and figure out your last seven days on paper to back it up? This is ridiculous. What if, serv- what if the server's down? What if right. they pull you in and they want to see your data and the server's down? Because we don't live in a perfect world, excuse me. But we don't. If, what if, if the server's down? They are expecting ease of compliance with this. They're, they're fools. Every different screen is going to have a different layout. It's going to have a different set of buttons to go through. When they want to inspect our logs, so they're going to need training on all 1,000 of the devices. This is not going to make it easier for compliance. It's going to make it a nightmare well, for compliance. Why do you think FMCSA changed the word from EOBR to ELD? Because under EOBR, it was proven without a shadow of a doubt and more than 135 cases submitted because I heard them where drivers were harassed. So they had to rewrite the, the ELD, removing the words EOBR, calling it ELDs, and they put this one paragraph in there that says companies will not harass the drivers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was because of all the comments that were put in on the other uh, proposed rule. So now they have supported this. Data. Yeah, and it had supported data behind it. Right, right. So, uh, I mean... Uh, don't you think that this new comment section, which, by the way, is up on May 27th, uh, is also going to cause some kind of a re- another revised proposed rule? I mean, I, have posted, uh, I, I know have people posted, are hot. Yeah, I have posted. Mm-hmm. I have posted the comment sections on as many. I think I posted it on yours too, didn't I? Um, the comment. I, I think section. so. Yeah, we're trying to yeah. get it out. I know Overdrive is getting it out. Right. But what happens, we need real people to go on this site because, and you know what, and let me say this right now. I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. That doesn't mean anything is going to change. We found that out with the HOS. When the HOS was changed for the, two, the July 1st, we had mats. We had GATs. They had all these listening sessions. Everybody gave them drivers. Drivers gave them data stating, hey, listen, if you would credit me for taking a break when I'm exhausted, I yep. am a much better driver 
if I could split it five and five or whatever, minimum three hours or however, or I could, like, like Deb says, she could climb back in the sleeper while she's sitting in line or whatever. That, then, you can't then do that, that when you're sitting in line. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps you in, as far as fatigue goes. They're talking about fatigue, and it's not fatigue. The problem is the crash causation is not caused by drivers driving over the hours as much as they believe. That is a minimal portion of it. The problem with the crash causation, and the big box carriers don't want to admit it, it's the fact they're putting under-trained, inexperienced drivers, and they're filling seats with them. An ELD is not going to teach a driver to drive a truck. Right. Well, you were talking about the split seat, uh, sleeper. Didn't Ann Farrow address that at Matt's? Um, <clears throat> recently when, uh, let me see if I can find my notes on this, uh, Ann Farrell, uh, last week the addressed... The don't want it, Donna. It's, it's the advocates. Well, what do they know? What, I mean, if they, if you told an advocate this is going to make things safer, I think that's the only word they hear is safer. Absolutely. Oh. You just hit it on the head. You had it okay. in those meetings. I've heard them speak. I've heard Pat. I've heard Crash. I've heard uh, the Advocates for Highway Safety. And every one of them, when they argue the point, they argue. I mean, you know, you're sitting there with somebody that lost a loved one. I'm sorry it happened. And, and you may be in a situation where an outlaw trucker did something bad. That happens every day. I apologize. I feel bad for them. But you're destroying an industry because your agenda is to be revengeful, not to make it safer. These rules don't make it safer. In fact, they make it more dangerous. That's what I was going to say. You know, I mean, it's uh, these HOA, it's, it's, I mean, and I'm looking at it for me. I mean, what, what was I, uh, I don't even know how many years I spent over the road. Uh, but now oh, looking back, uh, yeah, a lot. I don't even remember now. Let's see. <laughs> so did I. Uh, Twenty, twenty-nine years. I think, I think twenty-nine years and uh, seventeen or eighteen of those were household goods. And and but now looking back, you know, about the last eight and a half years, now local hauling gas, working the night shift. Uh, these HOS rules, uh, and speaking for me personally. Are, are making it more dangerous. They're, they're not. Ma- they're not. It's not giving me more rest. It's making me more tired. It's making me feel rushed. It's giving me more stress. And you know, it, the, the whole system is just backwards. And what it's doing is what they're doing. They got to get away from you know these politics and trying to appease these safety groups who's never been in a truck. And and I'm with you, Richard. You know, I'm sorry that you know somebody lost a loved one. It happens. We have all lost a loved one, but. Uh, these HOS rules just aren't working, but I think there's a lot of politics, there's money floating around, and it doesn't, really doesn't have anything to do with safety. Well, look who's on the Mixac committees. Alan, you and I have had this talk a thousand times. I mean, you've got Todd Dills, or Todd Spencer from OIDA, okay? You've got one other gentleman mm-hmm. that, that, that represents a medium-sized trucking company, and everybody else is either enforcement, an advocate, right. insurance, or from the big box carriers, okay? The big box right. carriers are designed to run 600 miles and shut it down. You know, they do, they do dropping yep. hooks, dropping hooks, dropping hooks. The thing is, 
our industry, that's a very, very small portion of our industry, if you really think about it, compared. And like I said, you have 700,000-plus DOT-registered companies. Every one of those companies out there have the potential to have to do a log once in a while for whatever reason, which automatically qualifies them under this rule to put an ELD in. Now, a guy that's working on your air conditioner in your house, and he happens to have a truck over 10,001 pounds, okay, and he works over the 14 or 16 hours, you don't want him leaving your house with no air conditioning because he says, oh, the new rules, I'm out of hours, i got to go back to the shop. The guy's driving a 12,000-pound F-350. Hello? Right. This, you know what I mean? I mean, right. come on, let's face it. We're talking a small portion of our industry that's covered under these rules. And the problem of it is the rule is a one it, – it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's going to be one rule. And if they think they're having a problem right now with enforcement, they've already proven that CSA has turned out to be a complete disaster. Okay? And you're now going to give roadside inspectors more power to determine – based on information and what's going to happen. You know what the drivers are going to be? Scapegoats for the big companies because they're going to go, oh, you got put out of service, or what do you mean you're not going to drive? Well, then you're not a team player, and they're going to lose their jobs. You know, that's right now why we're losing drivers. That's why people aren't, you know, you heard me say before, and I had evidence of it years ago, there's a shortage going to happen. Oh, no, no shortage. It's all falsehoods. Well, guess what? It's a shortage. Plus, the current drivers right now, under the current rules, and it's been proven, are living, lo- losing between 15 and 17 percent of a salary that's already below the standard of minimum wage. And that was a that was a, a huge point that was brought up that we're going to talk about late, uh, later. Was driver wages are people against ELDs because of their wages? Why? Well, you know, I, I think it's a lot of different reasons, but wages is a, a is a, a, a huge part of that. Don't you agree? Yeah, Donna, it's a big package. It's not a, it's not a little package. It's a big package. It affects a lot of people. People do not realize that the, that not only is just the ELD, ELD is just a small portion. It's the whole mm-hmm. process through the whole system, and it's all. Based, if you look at the charter of the Federal Motor Carrier when they shut down the ICC, was to promote health and well-being of the drivers and increase safety and reduce crashes. Do you realize until they changed the rules in 2008, crashes were going down significantly? Yes, very much so significantly down. And oh, then as soon gosh. as they pay. Right. As soon as they passed the 2008 rules, all of a sudden, and and social media has proven this, every day I can go on my computer to all the sites I belong to, and I can see another accident, and I'm not seeing big, shiny, large cars. I'm seeing the big box carriers. Is who's having the accidents. You have inexperienced drivers on roads they should not be driving on. But I guarantee you there's a dispatcher sitting in a warm office somewhere going, man up or lady up. You get through. <laughs> no, 
Dave. You know, I covered you, Dave. The advantages of these big carriers having the schools and then having the federal subsidies for having the schools while there's a labor shortage, while we're pushing good drivers out just because they might have three tickets, uh, it's incomprehensible. Right now, the various cities and states are giving tickets for no reason except they need the money. You know, you talk about that. I got got a real quick story I want to throw in here. Everybody hates DAC. We all know how many drivers DAC, good drivers, DAC is kept out of work. One of my clients last year joined NDI, National Drug Screening, which is owned by Highright, which owns DAC. They paid their money. I went up last two weeks ago and did a, did an audit on this company and contacted Highright and said, we have not got our 2013 end-of-the-year drug summary. Oh, we made a mistake. We didn't put them in the system. Now, that could cost my carrier thousands of dollars. But guess what? Highright can say anything on a DAC report about a driver, but a driver has no rebuttal. But they don't make mistakes, right? <laughs> oh, I had fun right. with that one. I had fun with that oh, one. Oh, I bet. You don't it's even want to know exactly the email I sent them. I had a carrier yeah, that <laughs> put gear strikes on my DAC. Gear strikes. I mean, I'm sorry. Gear will happen if you're driving. It's just a fact. <laughs> Why am I going to have to worry about a deer strike that does a headlight damage? Yeah, Deb loves that one. (laughs) (laughs) Like an ear tickling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I've gone gone around. I have been out here for 10 years, and I have only hit one deer, and I drive up here in deer heaven. And don't ask me how this is possible and knowing my luck because I just jinxed myself this year is going to be really bad. But I've only hit one. And what? and when I hit it, I was asking other people, what do you do? And everybody's like, what do you mean you've never hit a deer before? It seems like hitting deer is common out here. I and didn't you know, know that. Wow. And the problem with that is that's considered a recordable accident. Not my company. It's not my company. It's called Jesus. Can you keep going? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I've gone around and around with Dak for a long time. Let's let's grab another caller here. Everybody still just stay on the line, just jump in. But let's go to uh, Missouri, area code 573. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you this evening? Good. I'm good. Who's this? This is Alex Howe. Oh, hey, Alan. How are you? Good, fine. How are you, Doc? Yeah. Good, good. Good, Alan. What's going on? Well... Uh, I just got back from that. I think some of y'all think my post is on Facebook. Had a lovely time. Got some great meets and great people like Tony Justice and Todd, Todd Deals. And uh, got to spend a few minutes with uh, Ed Farino from FMCSA. So, uh, and Farrow? Yes. Oh, the one that your picture's up on Facebook. Yeah, wasn't that about the treadle valve, that she's listening that is, about that? That is correct. How did that yes. come out? I'm interested. Well, we had a, we had a good meeting about it, and uh, uh, she said I could quote her on this, that she is very interested in this problem. 
as soon as she gets back to Washington, she will be taking into it, and she will be back in contact with me, and that this is one of her main priorities at this time because she is uh, concerned about all the people on the roads and highways. Okay, well, why don't you just brief people about the treadle valve problems, the listeners who aren't familiar with it. Okay. This mainly contains to the E6 and the E10 treadle valve that's in a lot of your trucks still yet today. And what the problem is is a corrosion problem or a debris problem that can happen. Uh, a lot of times it's due to the valve not being maintenance or the schedule that it's supposed to be scheduled on, but it can also happen without the maintenance. Uh, this is a problem that's been going on since the 1970s. It's the first recall that I have on it, and the last recalls were in 2012. Uh, those went over uh, over-the-counter park uh, in your Bluebird school buses and in your FEMA tour buses that I know about. Uh, this is and it causes, what, tell, what does it cause? It can cause three things. If your if valve sticks in the up position, you will not have any brakes. It can stick in the center position. It can cause you to have brake drag. If the duct friction builds up, it can catch your vehicle on fire. If it sticks in the down position, it can cause you to, to your brakes to lock up, and you can either go into a skid or a jackknife when it's too. Yeah, and this and this has this has been proven this has been proven not just in uh, big trucks but buses and tour buses and everything else. But I'm curious, uh, you got the attention of Ann Farrell with the FMCSA, but uh, I mean that's great. But I'm curious. I mean the FMCSA doesn't really have any control over private industry, um, private manufacturing and that sort of thing. So it would it would have to involve the Congress in one way or the other. Did she give any details of what her plans were, or is she just going to look into it and kind of go from there? I think at this point she's just looking into it and going from there. But you got to understand, Alan, you got Chevrolet right now. He said in front of Congress for the last two days over killing 13 people with an ignition switch that would have caught 30 cents would have saved their lives. And that's, to me, that's about the same problem you had here. This thing should have been corrected years ago. And it's an old old current problem. There's over 100 bulletins of recalls on this valve since the 70s. And, Why and don't they I, do a class action lawsuit? Well, you got to get it in the courtroom to be able to do that. And when you do that, that I know of, this foul has never been sued of. I will be the first person that has ever done that. Alan, I, I, I know I, you and I have talked about this. You, this is Rich. We have talked about yes. it several times. And I have several bus companies, and because of your warning, we have gone to those companies. Now, they don't use Bluebird. They use International. But they actually have changed their PM program, and they actually do a check of the treadle valve. And I want to thank you very much because I know you have suffered greatly personally over this situation, and, uh, and, and I have brought it to attention to a lot of people. And even in my own father's bus, my dad has a Prevo, and it happens to have a new, it has a different treadle valve on the brake system that's a Canadian made that seems to uh, be a lot easier and serviceable and cleanable. 
And uh, but I want to thank you because, uh, and I will say one thing about Ann Farrow, and and trust me when I tell you this, I used to be with the Delaware Motor Transport Association when Ann was with the Maryland Motor Truck Association, and Ann Farrow's favorite saying is, "I will get back with you on that." <laughs> Do me a favor. <laughs> Do not stop. Yeah, do not stop your 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 mission, okay? Because it's a NHTSA item. It's part of the National Transportation Safety, and it's and she's going to throw it over to them. And I I would say that would be more of a NHTSA item than it would be an FMCSA. FMCSA would only say you must inspect the vehicle and find the good running condition. Well, if that treadle valve goes out while you're riding down the road, you didn't know that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Would he be a candidate for a mixac meeting? Oh my! Uh, well, again, here I go. Um, you have to understand <laughs> with the mixac, you have to look at what the agenda is for that particular meeting. Um, mixac will let you get up and give three-minute speech. I mean, some of you people have heard my speeches, and I'm not exactly been the nicest guy in the world, but I made a point. The problem of it is, if it is a manufacturer defect, and it's a NHTSA-approved item, then it falls more under NHTSA, the National Highway Safety Transportation Administration, than it does FMCSA. FMCSA rules and regulations in MixAC are more in the hours of service. It's just like when they got talking about they wanted to extend the length and the and the, and and the uh, over heavy the heavy trailers. Um, that more went to Congress than it did the FMCSA. And all the FMCSA said, if you raise it, then we'll go to CVSA the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, and we'll say that it was raised, and then it becomes part of the inspection process. But, no, Alan's fight is a lot bigger than that. Well, let me help you. Thank, first of all, thank you, Rich, for that, for that comment, and I do appreciate it. But you've got to understand, in February of 2012, CVSA did a bulletin on this. FFCSA, off of that bulletin, entered that bulletin into their vehicle roadside inspection which means every vehicle that comes into a weight station or is pulled over on the side of the road and is inspected, that weight, that, that inspector is supposed to inspect for this problem. Right. Now, what I found here is I've, I've checked with several different state inspectors, and if you ask them what they inspect when they're doing inspection, they will not tell you they're inspecting this out. So here, here's the recourse off of that. We really don't know how bad this valve is. Right. I mean, I've, I I've, done my own, I've done my own testing, you know, where I pull over 100 trucks and just ask them if I could check their valve and stuff. In, like, one test, I had 90% of the trucks had the problem in it that could happen at any time. The next test, it had 80%. So you're talking about a high-volume problem here. But... What I'm saying is FMCSA needs to take this and do their job and see how bad it really is. Oh, I, I agree, Matt. I, I agree. Well, the, only was, thing, the only thing you have to see, you have to understand, CVSA sets standards for out-of-service and inspection standards by enforcement. 
and I have seen a very small, maybe one or two sentence um, uh, ruling within the CF CVSA inspection on out of service on treadle valves. And basically it's like, you know, you put your foot on the brake and you put your truck in gear, and if it moves forward, then the first thing they do is they don't write you up for the treadle valve. They write you up for your brakes out of adjustment. So, they're, they're, you know, here again, there's a Band-Aid going on a juggler vein spill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you recommend that this uh, become part of, like, the TA and other major uh, uh, chains uh, in Inspection for the PM cycle inspection. I mean, would would this be something that you would try to advocate that they look for when they are servicing a truck? Yes. Yes. Yeah. This this is the thing. In fact, you're supposed to be doing that. This valve is supposed to be serviced either ever six foot, ever one hundred fifty thousand miles, or ever ninety days. This, this wow. valve. That 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 is the uh from, I'm gonna pick on Bindex here. That is Bindex uh uh it maintenance to this valve. The problem is I've talked to mechanics that are that are been fifty year mechanics, thirty year mechanics, twenty year mechanics. They don't know about it. They don't know they're I, supposed to inspect the valve. Absolutely you know, and I'll tell you something else. It as a it's not on the federal DOT inspection list. So how are they supposed to know to inspect it? Alan, you said that they're supposed to inspect it. If it's not on the list, how do they well, know? Well, here's the deal. In February of 2012, it was supposed to go onto the DOT list. That is the problem. From that time to 2014, it has not been put on there by FMCSA. No, but they okay, sure so want to put electronic then, onboard recorders on. <laughs> well, the, well, then, well, then, Richard, Richard, that goes back to what you said that that the FMCSA would not be uh, included in this. Well, they have to be included if they're supposed to have it on the list. Where I would rather see this taken to is when there's a CVSA meeting. And Alan, I want you to stay in touch with me because I get notifications. And if there's a CVSA meeting. In Washington, I would like to, you know, even if we have to go together and 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 do something to get the money to get you there, I would love for you to go to the CVSA meeting and explain that and to them because they are the ones that are supposed to be setting the standards for inspections. And 90% of the treadle, now this is what I was told. Ninety percent of the treadle valve malfunctions is because of the dirt that's in the floor in the driver's compartment. Is that true? That is correct, sir. But understand this. The drivers do not know it's there because it's covered up with a boot. Right, right. I now, understand that. Now, but now understand it, this, too. The dirt and corrosion that they're talking about can get inside the boot without the boot being damaged because it's not airtight. So what right. I'm telling you is the corrosion can build up inside of the treadle valve with, without the boot being damaged, without the boot being wore out or anything, because you have to know uh, forensics of the valve. You have to look it's, at it. Yes, sir. I mean, here's the It's forensic. very simple. you got to look at it. Yeah. Where is it? Well, it's underneath the brake pedal. Right. 
right. It's it just does. like it's really? just like okay, um, I'm looking. I'm looking at mine right now. Uh, okay. Where underneath the brake pedal is it? Like up behind where that? Well, uh, let me uh, explain uh, to you. The, the thing goes up or what? Let Let me rephrase that, Donna. Let me explain something. The valve itself usually goes underneath the bottom of the truck. Okay, and then. The valve bolts to the bottom of the floorboard, usually with three to eight bolts, depending on what company, what system you have. Then a plunger comes through the floorboard, and your, and your makeup housing, they call it, it's on top of the plunger with a rubber boot. And then that plunger is uh, a roller sets on it from your brake pedal. So it's right underneath your brake pedal. Right, right. And, and, and Deb, you would be a good candidate because of where you run. Up in the areas was, you I run in, that corrosion could build this. up in yours. Yeah. Not only that, but all the dirt and everything I'm in and out of all the time, the fertilizer. The fields, yes. the snow, the ice, yeah, everything. You're you're the exact candidate we're talking about. And that is, important. that is a very important item that needs to be. Now, all of my companies, since Alan and I have been talking, I have put a program together as part of a class B, not a Class A, which the Class A is usually the major, but a Class B is the in-between inspections that the treadle valve be checked along with the uh, uh, the uh, uh, throttle control valve because those are two items that for some reason cause more drivers' headaches over the road getting uh, throttle control valves uh, fixed because they go bad, and the second thing is the treadle valve, which kills people. Yeah, I mean it's a dangerous problem. Alan's been fighting that problem for years, and maybe well, maybe hopefully we'll uh, he'll get a um, little head start on here. I'm watching the time; we're kind of winding down here, but let's grab one more our final caller here, uh, area code four zero four, Alan, state of Georgia. Go ahead, welcome to the show. Hey, Alan, this is Jeff. Hey, how's it going? All right. Hey, Jeff. Um, hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Good, man. Good. Um, I, I, I've talked with Alan on that treadle valve before. I've uh, done some working into it, and I just wanted to congratulate him on the work he's doing. I, you know, this one guy out there fighting the system. And um, I know. Oh, yeah, I've been fighting it I for know, years. Yeah, yeah, for I've years. I've been working with Alan. <laughs> Well, we're all doing our parts, you know. I mean, uh, you, yeah. you know, there, there are truckers everywhere. There are companies everywhere. But uh, it, it, it is a hard fight. It, it, it's a hard Can fight. I ask and, a question? And a lot of times it, it, it'll get you down. But, you know, uh, a lot of guys will, will, will come and tell me, you know, you're, you're one guy, you, you can't make a difference. But, you know, what I found out over the years is one guy can't make a difference. And um, I'm going to let Donna answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I just want to ask everybody's everybody's opinion on this. Um, Alan Alan Tell had said that this is supposed to be serviced every 150,000 miles. Well, my question is, um, who isn't servicing this? Is it because they don't? They don't know about it, and who made the statement that it needs to be serviced every hundred fifty thousand, and who's making sure that it is being serviced? So, I mean, well, to me, it, it sounds like a lack of accountability on the people responsible. I, I drove my truck, first truck, in nineteen eighty, and until I talked to Alan a couple of years ago, I had no clue. 
It's well, not talked about. So how were you supposed about. to know? Uh, Donna, Nobody I think I can did. Help you That's the deal. If you buy a brand new truck today, or like when Jeff bought his truck, the way they got around it, when you got your owner's manual on this truck, it didn't tell you to service that valve. What it tells you to do is go to all manufacturers and check their service and loop. Okay? Yep. So that's the loophole in it. That's how they nobody do about it. So you got to go for every own, part on your truck and go to each manufacturer and ask them how to service that individual part. I think wow. it needs to be put. I think it really needs to be put on the uh, the federal uh, uh, in a federal DOT inspection, and it also needs to be included that states that do inspections that that uh, there are certain states that that do their federal their state inspection that covers the federal motor carrier annual. And I think it needs to be on those forms. It needs to be accountable. It needs to have somebody inspect it and check it off. Okay. Uh, what can we all do? Me, I mean, I mean, this this is well, important, obviously. I, Donna, let me finish answering your question. Who says the services is the manufacturer? If you will check their lube and maintenance to this valve, like go to the E6 uh, Bendix valve, it's, it reads their lube and maintenance. It will tell you it is. But here's where I have the problem. So, so what they're telling you to do is put grease or oil on the plunger that comes through the floorboard. Well, grease or oil is a collectors agency. So that's all the dirt. Yeah. Yes. All the dirt chemicals that's in the floor that you get on your shoes and you knock off, if it gets close to this, it's going to catch it. Then when that plunger goes down to the housing, it's going to take it with it and build it up just as fast. So Devin will agree with you with that because she's seen the driver's side of a truck that has much dirt. They could grow a crop in there. Hey, 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 hey. I'm kidding, Doc. That's why you don't put grease on sliders on your trailer because it collects the road grime and grease, and then your trailer wheels won't slide. Best way to slide the trailer is with water. With water. Don't put grease on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, uh, Michael, how about... I, I need to ask a question. First of all, okay. does every truck have this on it? Second yes. of all, how do you find out if your truck has it on it? And thirdly, what do you do if you go to your mechanic and you say, I want you to show this to me and show me how this has to be taken care of, and they don't know what you're talking about? Well, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about because I'll try to sell you a new one. Well, first of all, anybody, anybody can call me at any time. I would try to help you through this the best I can over the phone. Second of all, everybody has some type of treadle valve. It might not be the E6 or the E10, but your treadle valve is like the brake of the air brake system if you have air brakes. You have to have a treadle valve. Right. Okay. okay. So. You're going to have some sort of treadmill. It can be mounted in different places. The wood that we're talking about here is usually mounted right underneath the brake pedal, and it comes through your floorboard. Now, some of the new model trucks still use the E6 and the E10 valve, but they're moving them back up underneath the floorboard of the truck and, and use an electronic part to, to, uh, to use the plunger in and out on them. So I was wondering go, if they were going to go to, like, a... Uh, sensor. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Some of your buses have that system in them now, too. 
Does that does so, that eliminate the problem with a sensor? No, you're still using the budger. The only thing it, it is helping. It is not corroding as bad because it's more still. Okay. Hey, what okay. happens when the sensor goes out? Well, you don't have any brakes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's on your brakes. You don't want that sensor going like out. That comes on on your dash. I tell <laughs> well, you, you got that. that. You I didn't think about that. You got that one right. <laughs> you know, if you're one of these new drivers, you got a light that goes on on your dash that says there's something wrong, and you better take it to a shop. Yeah. yeah. Call Unless in the office and see what they tell you, right, Deb? Unless you're like me and you're underneath there crawling around going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but but yeah, Deb. Then 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 your then your uh, sweatpants get dirty. Yeah, and then I'm that driver you know that nasty <laughs> that y'all are talking about. I'm that nasty truck driver that y'all are talking about. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, we I read have, that. That's a little joke with all of us. That's a private but, inside. Well, it's not really inside. It was on Facebook. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But the thing about it is, I mean, even since Alan brought that up. And I've revamped my inspection sheets that I produce for my companies. And part of that inspection sheet is that they have to do their annual, even though it's not required by the Federal Motor Carrier, you can always go above and beyond it. I do have a treadle valve inspection and cleaning. And if it and if it, and they have to check both boxes off. Because Alan well, brought up you. such a very good point. And I have been working with him, and I figured, hey, listen, you know, if I can get my carriers um, to do this, then it needs to be done across the board. But I'm like, but but like I'm saying, Alan, this is an item that would be more NHTSA or CVSA than FMCSA, because I have submitted copies of my annual inspection. But there's such a wide variety of states that do inspections that, that are accepted by the FMCSA, and it's not on their forms. And, like, it's, it will be a fight like you've been fighting with is trying to get this whole thing changed because if we could get this on the annual federal inspection form, it would right. completely nullify all state inspections. Oh well, that, that's maybe that's what needs to to go for. And you're saying not the MixAC isn't the uh, committee to go to. It's a different. No, MixAC will not address it. I, I'm just going to okay. tell you, you guys know I've been going to MixAC, and I know what goes on in MixAC. Todd Dills even recorded me what I said to MixAC the last time. MixAC's not the place to do it. This is a National Highway Transportation Safety Administration and a CVSA problem, and I think it needs to be directed there and brought to their attention, and I think Alan would be a great spokesman. Oh, well, yeah. Perfect. I mean, man, he's been fighting it a long time, and uh, like you said, Richard, he's got Ann Farrell's attention now, so just keep following up. How about you, Michael? I have, I have to jump in here. What, what's your – have have you heard about this treadle valve problem? As a driver, I've never actually heard of that. Um, I'm not a mechanic. I have to admit I'm more of a computer geek and uh, kind of guy. Um, completely out of my sphere. 
Okay. Yeah, well, I think a lot of us was because I never even heard of the treadle valve either until, uh, you know, Alan brought us to our attention and everything. But, look, uh, I, I appreciate it. Time's kind of winding down here. We'll take a quick break. And, Donna, you have some announcements and everything? Yeah, and I'm going to bring up one more thing about the HOS when we come back. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Be right back. Donna will bring that up and then announcements, and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Hang with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truck TruckerLawyers.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna, got about 15 minutes. What do you what do you got for us? Well, first of all, I wanted to bring up the HOS that everybody's um pretty much agreed upon. Uh that's the problem with ELDs. Oh, of course there's a few problems uh, that we've spoken about, but that Congress has called the GAO to um do do a, a report on the validity and questioning the study that Richard mentioned uh before. And if everybody remembers, the GAO report uh, did not think very kindly uh, about CSA. Uh, that was written up maybe a month or two ago. We spoke about it on the show. So I'd be very, very, you know, interested in seeing what that GAO report says about the hours of service. Uh, the other thing is, um, you know, Rich, you, you didn't uh, – he kept saying, my companies, my companies, and people are going to think, boy, there's just this rich guy on here talking about all this stuff. But actually, Richard's uh, talking about his clients um, from TCRG Consulting, and I just wanted to make that clear because he's a, a, a regulatory compliance and regulatory specialist. So I thought I'd just uh, clear that up a little bit for you, Rich. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, bring up 
was, let's see, I've got my notes here. I just have to go to them. Oh, okay. Um, if everybody saw the uh, press release on Ask the Trucker from Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, and they've been um, with us for quite a while. We've supported them because they have such an honest truck lease. Uh, but a part of their part of their press relief said that historically Lone Mountain has focused on leasing used trucks, uh, but right now with the gradual increase in the price of used trucks over the past six, 18 months, they believe that there's now a larger market for individuals looking for new trucks. And uh, Joe Hobstool is quoted as saying that earlier this year we rolled out a pilot program focused on the 2015 Volvo 670. And given the success of that program, uh, they decided to offer their customers the 2015 Peterbilt 389 and the 2015 Freightliner Cascadia. So um, kudos to Joe and Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. Uh, they continue uh, to, to offer drivers you know, a fair deal, and truck leasing is not something you associate the word fair with. Uh, typically, financing of late model trucks for owner-operators can be complex, and inaccessible, but Lone Mountain has always offered a straightforward lease purchase and uh, and consisting of a down payment and a fixed monthly uh, payment plan. So we're very happy to hear about that. Uh, part of my announcement was Alan Toe, who was just on here already, so we're glad he called in, so now I'm not going to make the announcement on him. But we do want to congratulate the 2014 Citizen Driver Awards, uh, which was given by the Travel Centers of America. And I'd like to um, just tell you a little bit about that. Each driver has been picked, uh, has been able to pick their favorite Tierra Petro stopping center location, and it will be named after them as part of their award. Um, so here's uh, some of the winners. is Henry Albert, and uh, it's going to be called in Laredo, Texas, the Henry Albert uh, Travel Center. Uh, Jimmy Artis uh, is the Jimmy Artis Manning Travel Center. Linda and Bob Caffey, uh, Petro, North Las Vegas, New York, will be the Linda and Bob Caffey North Las Vegas Stopping Center. Uh, Charlie Endorf, uh, Petro, York, uh, which will be the Charlie Endorf York Stopping Center, Jerry Fritz of Petro West Memphis, Arkansas, the Jerry Fritz West Memphis Shopping Center, Sean Hubbard, uh, Petro Ontario, California, and that, of course, is the Sean Hubbard Ontario Stopping Center, and Norman Knight, uh, TA Columbia, New Jersey, in the Norman Knight Columbia Travel Center. So congratulations uh, to all of them as um, everybody knows Henry Albert and uh, Linda and Bob Caffey are part of the team Run Smart. And they're actually going to be, uh, Henry and Jimmy Navaris are actually going to be on our show May 1st uh, to talk about, um, I believe, Alan, I think you have it down as the uh, fuel efficiency and the CNG uh, trucks and driving in California with the carbs. So I think that's going to be uh, quite a show on the first. Um, talking about mats, uh, fuel economy continues to be a major theme, and it was at this year's mats show. 
uh, truck makers and suppliers were emphasizing uh, savings and incremental savings to improve through the aerodynamics and the engine control systems. And uh, Daimler Trucks of North America was one of the most upbeat forecasting class eight sales in North America to reach 261,000 up from 235,000. So uh, that's quite a optimistic uh, approach right there. Also, uh, talking about fuel savings at Matt's was on board oil tech and they were sharing their technology of refined oil on board and saving fuel oil saving death usage saving the environment uh, prolonged engine life reduced downtime increasing profits and we all know with the new um, mandate coming up with uh, the EPA and DOT on uh, fuel savings these are all very very vital uh, things in the industry to, to be coming about. So if you need more information on onboard oil tech, uh, their number is one eight six six five seven seven eight zero four four. 577 8044 Let's see. Oh, I want to let everybody know there's a, a, a few missing truck drivers out there. And uh, for these are the drivers who for uh, no reason have lost contact with their loved ones and dispatch. I mean, they just go missing. And this is a problem uh, throughout the industry. Uh, they've been reported to authorities already, so they, they are confirmed missing. And then what uh, the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network does is, and these, this consists of drivers and all who would like to be involved in helping locate these drivers, uh, they send out an alert message complete with photo and driver of the truck. And that right now is on Facebook at uh, Missing Truck Drivers. And you can go to that Facebook page if you want to become a part of it. Or just go to www.missingtruckdriver.com to be a part of it. Uh, The ultimate goal of the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network is to locate and return these drivers who are reported missing to their family. If you have a missing truck driver... Uh, please call uh, 855-MY-MTDAM uh, or 855-696-8326, and you'll, your, your call will be returned. This toll-free number is sponsored by GoCDLJobs.com, and we'd also like to thank some of the other supporters of Missing Truck Driver, uh, which includes TruckerLawyers.com, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, TruckerToTrucker.com, Go CDL Jobs and Vorblade Invisible Shields. To see a complete list of all the sponsors, uh, you can go to www.missingtruckdriver.com. And there also they'll have the link to the Facebook page and all the other information you need. But right now we've got three missing drivers out there. If you can be a, a part of this uh, this search, this help, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, I did already cover that at Matt's there was um, Ann Farrow uh, addressed that the agency is going ahead with a pilot study of split sleeper provision of revised hours of service regulations that's been sorely missed uh, by some team operations. So, again, hours of service coming up. Uh, GAO report hopefully will be out to uh, confirm that study that was done <clears throat> recently by the FMCSA, uh, a lot of them, a lot of people question it, including OIDA, the ATA, 
and congressmen. So um, this is going to be an interesting, uh, interesting battle in the next few weeks, I think, Alan. And uh, I know everybody's waiting to see because I'll tell you what, people are hot on these this um, ELD. Uh, next week we have James Lamb on the show, and he had quite a controversial. Uh, uh, thread on LinkedIn asking, you know, hey, do drivers just want to cheat on their logs? And, and everybody, you know, went nuts. It, it extended over to our Facebook page, and that's how this whole discussion came up. And he actually has uh, an idea since many drivers decided that ELDA, ELDs are causing them uh, a reduced wage, and Richard said he's coming up with 17%, that He's going to be on the show next week to discuss how transparency and honesty within the industry with people working together, shippers, brokers, owner-operators, drivers, working together can actually, uh, you know, be a victory over a lot of these problems. So we're very interested in hearing what he has to say. He was at Matt's. He discussed, he spoke with a lot of owner-operators about his new parish he has in mind. And uh, he's from the AIPBA and DOTAuthority.com. So next week um, should be a very, very uh, interesting, to say the least, hopefully filled with solutions uh, regarding ELDs, compliance, lost wages, and transparency. So we look forward to that. And I know I'm, I'm rushing here, but I know the time. Blog Talk Radio will just cut you off if you're in the middle of your sentence or not. So, Alan, I'm going to give this show back to you. All right. All right. Well, thanks. I was going to grab uh, grab Rich and Michael and, and everybody, but uh, time is winding down. But appreciate you all calling in and sharing everything. Good luck with everything. And, Michael, you're running for state rep. Good luck with that. And Richard, sharing your time, Deb, Alan, everybody, and those in the chat, we really appreciate it. So we will catch you uh, next time. Have a great evening. And, uh, again, we appreciate you tuning in to Truth About Trucking Live, everybody. We'll, we will catch you next time. Have a great evening. Bad lease, D-O-T, dispatcher on me. High fuel, crazy rules, flat tire, no tools. Traffic jam, flim, flam, run Yeah, this
Oh, and 